Hello and welcome back to the podcast and thanks for listening. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media accounts on Instagram at Bloodborne1, Facebook.com slash Bloodborne1, on Twitter at Bloodborne, YouTube.com slash Bloodborne, and most importantly on Twitch at Twitch.tv slash Bloodborne. What's up, everybody? We're going to try this one again and see what we can do. Uh, this is episode 23 of the podcast, Echoes in the Dark. My name is Bloodborne. Uh, something else I wanted to talk about for a little bit here is MMOs and specifically things like balancing and what it looks like as far as like bugs and the development cycle and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking, um, I, I've been watching the first couple episodes of um, Mythic Quest: Raven's Banquet. It's a new show on uh, Apple TV Plus, and it it's made by the same people that did It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it kind of has a Silicon Valley from HBO vibe to it and it kind of got me thinking it, it's funny because it's just a, a huge spoof of the gaming industry the development like testing and uh so if you if you get the opportunity to check it out check it out it's kind of funny and um you know as with any spoof there's there's some truth behind it so that's where that stuff will come from and obviously it's exaggerated to some degree and they, I mean, they even go so far as they have a content creator that is just very, very over the top and, and how much that the content creator plays into the decisions that they make uh, from the development side, which I naturally found a pretty, pretty interesting to begin with. So, you know... It got me thinking about development and what it looks like when there's bugs and things that don't work and the power of someone's voice and what they can do. And so I look at this, I I look at most things in development in context to Lord of the Rings Online, but I'll throw this out there also uh, because Wilson right now has some pretty big bugs that are causing people to stop playing, uninstall the game. Um, and things like that, and so the reality is, it's it, you know, the Wilson game is made by an indie studio. It's a small team. Uh, same thing with the the team that is, you know, handling Lord of the Rings Online and DDO. Uh, it's a you know, very small teams. You know, a year and a half ago, I got the opportunity. Actually, it's almost two years ago now. Uh, got the opportunity to go out to. 
Boston to Standing Stone Games and, and meet some people and, you know, went to lunch with uh, a couple people and, uh, it's weird, like, when you actually get the, the perspective of seeing how small the development team is for that studio, uh, and it's kind of a double-edged knife because you look at what they're able to put out being a small team handling two games, and it's actually quite impressive, but then it comes down to fixing the stuff versus you don't really have a live team and a development team. It's all one thing, and it's handling two games. So, you know, all that gets divvied up. You know, how do you prioritize what is what's broken and what needs to be fixed and if it's monetized how does it get fixed uh, obviously anything that's monetized probably has a pretty high priority because that's how the game stays afloat but um, you know the, the show was kind of it kind of pokes fun at that whole situation and it shows how much monetization is needed uh, without the monetization the game can't function and things like that and what would happen if everything was free and what that would do to not only the, the, the culture of the game, but also the culture of the, the studio. And it's just interesting, you know, like we look at the stuff that's coming out for these newer games and it just, it feels like every game that comes out that has any type of online presence, which is a vast majority of games, there's very few games that don't have an online portion of their game uh, seems like there's just issues always and it's sad that that's like the norm and that's to be expected you know that there's going to be day one issues you know like you know day one servers aren't going to connect and day one you know you're going to experience a lot of problems because so many people are trying to play and log in and all that stuff so it, it is intriguing uh, why is that still an issue? Um, is it that network infrastructure and server capacity and all that stuff is always under budgeted out of the gate? Uh, if that's the case, why, you know, just is it as simple as spending more out of the gate? Is it as easy as just buying more server capacity and more storage and bandwidth and? Is it as easy as that? Uh, probably not. But there's probably a little validity to that. Um, you know, as a company, you want to minimize your overhead but maximize your, your output. And I think uh, with gaming anymore, I think that there's not enough... Like the, the games are so big and there's so much data being pushed around and... And so many people trying to connect to all these things that it just, there needs to be some give and take. And I think there's a little bit more give that needs to happen on the server side and the network side um, of some of these games. Because uh, honestly, it's, just a, it's a terrible experience when you go in and you have a super new game that you're super amped up to play and excited that it's rolling out. And your first experience is that you can't connect to the game can't connect to the servers or you do get connected and you keep getting dropped or something like that um i mean even wow classic saw that when it launched i mean there were so many people hammering those servers that there were just massive queues of people playing 
that people were waiting hours and hours and hours just to log in. And that's obviously not a great experience either. But the flip side of that is not having enough people per server. Um, honestly, I would love to see at some point a game that can truly handle as many people, as many players as you want to throw at something and be single shard uh, or single server. Like, that would be amazing. Uh, I don't think a lot of people fathom how difficult that actually is. Um, because even a situation like uh, anytime you cross a realm, like if you go into a new zone or if you go into a new area, um, in some cases that's a different server. Like you have your uh, you have your login servers, you have your patch servers, you have your chat servers, you have uh, item database lookup, you have um, you know your inventory might be on something else, and then your zones are actually on a different thing. So like it's very intriguing to see the development side of it, and just knowing the small amount that. Uh, we know that what goes into it and every now and then you'll see a developer that'll come out like somebody that used to work for a studio and they can give you a little bit more insight once their NDA is up or something like that but um, there's there's two sides of this coin as well where it's like I think you know part of what we do is we chastise these companies that can't seem to get it right but on the flip side, they do need to be held accountable to the promise that they make of, uh, or the agreement they make, I should say, of, of them providing that service. And we talked about this in a previous episode of the podcast, too. But, you know, there's, I think anybody would, would be willing to trade the downtime for a, a product that is, you know, not even 100%, but we'll say, like, 95 to 99%. You know, there's there's going to be bugs. It's software. It's a language. There's not, like, communication doesn't always work. Like, look at the human languages that we have. There's all these different languages, so there's all these different coding languages. Uh, they don't work together. They don't talk together. Uh, something might be somewhat compatible. Like, you might kind of understand it, but some of the messaging is lost. Like, if you took... Say you took Spanish in high school, so you kind of get what sometimes if, if you have somebody that's speaking Spanish to you and you speak English and that you, you kind of understand it. So the message is delivered and received, but it's not 100% received. So there's some information that's lost there. Um, is it going to work? Eh, bye. But it's not going to be the best experience because it's not that language talking to that language. And that's where you get into people having proprietary software, proprietary engines, things like that. You just don't have a company out of the gate just, you know, uh, we're just going to buy a license to Unreal or CryEngine or, you know, Frostbite or anything like that and build our game on that. Sometimes the best thing to do because you're making custom things for your game is to have a custom engine. And I think that's honestly why World of Warcraft has worked so well for so long is because they tried to build that originally way back in the day on the Warcraft 
th uh, Warcraft 3 engine or Warcraft engine, and it couldn't work. It couldn't handle the load. Uh, there's some videos out there if you search hard enough for it, but you can actually see the very, very, very early on tests of World of Warcraft on the Warcraft engine. It just did, flat out did not work. Um, and so they, you know, had to build their own thing. And from the way it sounds, that was something that happened early on in the turbine days is um, they were working on, I mean, they had the turbine engine for some of their older games, and then they were working on Lord of the Rings Online, and went back when it was Middle Earth Online, and basically it was determined, like, they probably should make their own thing for it, and it was more prevalent when Infinite Crisis came out. Infinite Crisis was actually using the same engine that... Uh, that Lord of the Rings Online uses. It's using the Turbine Engine. If you guys ever got a chance to play Infinite Crisis while it was up, that was the MOBA that was based on the DC Universe, that game ran so poorly. Uh, and it, and it's just a top-down MOBA. I mean, uh, just like League of Legends. It ran so poorly. Uh, there was lag all the time. And there really is no reason for lag in a MOBA other than network connectivity. So, but the fact of the matter it was, and the, the engine couldn't handle that game. So the option was, uh, as it was explained to me, was to build a proprietary engine for Infinite Crisis or use a turbine engine, and to save the cost, which was ultimately, sounds like the downfall of the game, was to choose to use a turbine engine for it, and that didn't work. So... Um, so I, I think that's what's very interesting about all of this is development and, you know, bugs and performance and, and things like that and how we hold developers accountable and how much they get, you know, just berated and chastised for, for trying to deliver a product. They want it delivered as quickly as they can so they can recoup their, uh, you know, if there's venture capital involved or anything like that or if there's, you know investors, things like that, that need to have a return on their investment. There's a lot of things that are under the hood there, and I think, you know, as players, all we want is a, as a product that works. Uh, players are the simple part of this. We just want a product that works. We just want our game that we love to, to play, and we want our time to be valued. So, you know, I get home from work and I want to be able to log in and just play. I don't want to worry about, huh, am I going to be able to connect today? Is my champion going to be able to log in today? Or am I going to be playing a different character? Um, is the lag and uh, Gondor going to be so bad that I can't use a war steed to get around? Am I just going to have to not zone in there? Uh, is the game going to crash? Like those shouldn't be things that players have to worry about. The things that we should be able to worry about are like, let's see, how are we going to beat this dungeon? Like, what kind of comp do I need for this to work? You know, uh, how much of this resource do I need to make this gear that I want? Those are the types of things that players should be worrying about. And I think also the issue is with so much social media and, you know, even myself included, you know, we've got so many talking heads at you. Like, everybody's got their opinion. There's so many of them out there. Um, 
and you know if you have a negative experience in the game most people's immediate reaction is to just go to Twitter, go to Facebook, and just post the the negativity. And it's so raw at that point that you never really get a chance to to really figure out what it is, why, provide feedback on it, understanding why it doesn't work, and things like that. So I think the reality of the situation is there needs to be better communication between development and communities that are playing their games that are the people that are paying for the game that's an important piece and i think the games that were created before the advent of social media um have a much harder time with social media than the games that are built now the games that are built now tend to be not this is not a hard and fast truth it's just they tend to be much more engaged on social media um and and reacting to that but see that's where that's where it becomes difficult because you know the we talk about the vocal minority we talk about the people who are angry tend to be the more vocal ones uh like the PvP community in Lord of the Rings, for example, is is a smaller but very loud community. Uh, and to be fair, they just want their shit to work. You know, they just want to be able to log in and, and go fight people in the Etnmores or, heaven forbid, Oskiliath. So those are all things to just take into consideration. It's like, it's kind of this big mess right now and I think the companies that have probably the best success have the best communication with their players um, and if you don't communicate with your players like if you don't have a team that can sit down and talk with your community if you have a kind of like a living breathing thing like an MMO specifically you're not going to do well um like those are the people that are, are paying a monthly service for your game. Uh, those are your customers. Those are your investors. Those are, you know, that's your lifeblood of how your game stays afloat. Uh, and I'm not saying to bend over to every request that everybody has, because that's unrealistic. And some people's expectations of what a, a live service are are asinine. But what I'm saying is that you should be able to use the tools that you have to put problems or uh, bugs or things like that into buckets and say like you know this bucket is really full Uh, we need to empty this so like if we've got performance is uh, a bucket and um, content is a bucket and you know just things like that and look at all your sources you you know you're looking at facebook you're looking at twitter you're looking at discord groups you're looking at uh forum posts you're looking at um bug submissions through your support teams and things like that you know there's got to be a way to uh extrapolate all that data and get kind of like an aggregate of these are the most pressing things that we need to address now not let's bring out a new race. Nobody wants that right now. Nobody, and I was not saying nobody wants it, but like the vast majority are not going to say, yeah, oh yeah, we need a new race right now. It's like, no, we want 
stable servers that you don't lag halfway across the map and end up in a light post and it kills you. Um, we've talked about this before where it's been uh, most people would sacrifice the, the again, the downtime for the quality. And I, I would rather see a f- I would rather see a full development cycle take place and I would gladly pay for it uh, for no new content but what we have to be more stable and reliable. And I think most people would pay for that experience. So I don't know. I, I think that's a but you know we, we, we also talk about it where you know you, can, you don't want the art team working on the networking and you don't want the network team writing the stories and um, because everybody has a role to play and I think it just gets more challenging there's probably a sweet spot but when your team is too small or when your team is too big when your team is too big there's too much bureaucracy around what you need uh, and you know I well I got I'm a junior writer and I got to write the flavor text for a weapon that people are going to use for five minutes versus you know the the lead narrative designer which oversees all of it and so you have to go from this person to this person to this person to this person to get something approved versus a smaller team where it's just like yeah this person just handles writing the text and you know you got somebody that proofreads it sure but that's it and that's done but you get to a point where you know, your art team starts doing, if your art team is doing concept art, world building, character design, and the whole shebang, well, you know, you got overworked people and then they're rushing to get stuff done to meet artificial deadlines. Um, there's all kinds of stuff like that. And again, this is all just the perspective. Like, I could be dead wrong on 100% of this stuff. This is just the information that I have based on the experiences that I've had over the past 15 years. And, you know, when it comes down to that, it's like... If there's other information that can be provided, more transparency around what's going on in the industry, then maybe that's time it needs to happen. I don't think there needs to be so much secrecy around everything in game development. Um, the people who want to know more are going to find out more. And the people who don't want to know stuff are going to remove themselves from those situations where they could potentially find out more. Um, I mean, yeah, spoilers happen. Sure. You can protect as much as you want, but the fact of the matter is we have all this online information now and, you know, leaks happen and all that crap. But if you have a situation where you have... It's not like the 90s and the 80s when games just came out and that game was the game. Like, that's it is what it is. There's no updates. If you didn't ship your game in working condition, well, it's a flop and you just wasted however much money developing that game, distributing that game, manufacturing the game. Like, we don't have manufacturing costs in gaming anymore. Uh, at least not to the extent we did with, you know, producing cartridges or DVDs. Uh, it's still there. Like, you can still go buy those. But for the most part, people are, are doing digital. <clears throat> and so you're not having to produce these gigantic 
you know, millions and millions and millions of copies of a game, you know, you're probably actually manufacturing, you know, some hundred thousand. Who knows? I don't know. That's just not information that's provided. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I think a lot of the confusion comes around, and like you have people that will say things like, and I I hope I come across as like, this is all my opinion. Everything in the podcast, everything that's on the stream, unless I have a document from a developer that says this is this, then it is my opinion on on an experience or uh, a interaction I've had. So that, that I always want to make that clear that that's a perception that I have based on what I've been presented, and I think that's something that's pretty lacking. Honestly, is is critical thinking, is being able to to decipher things based on what you've been presented, because people will see a headline. Actually, this is a good example. You'll see something, uh, say you're scrolling through your, your social media feeds, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or something like that, and you see a headline, or even a news feed, and you see a headline. People tend to not read the headline, and they'll just extrapolate whatever information they want or deduce whatever information they want from the headline. And the headline, its job is to grab you. Its job is to pull you in to read the rest of the article. Uh, good journalism will actually have the same, like the title of the article will match the content within. But bad journalism will just have a what people refer to as a clickbait title, and it will be it'll be somewhat relevant to the body of the article, but it's not going to be exact. And the ones that I'm always weary of reading are the ones that the article headline is a question. Um, I just feel like that's a that's a cheap way of drawing somebody in. Like, I should be able to get a, a pretty good synopsis of, of what the article is about by the title or the headline, and then the, the body of the article should read out the rest. But so much of our social media feeds are exactly that. It's a headline. Every post that we make is a headline. And the problem with that is we're making headlines without relevant bodies of text to go. We're not making any context with that. And without proper context, those headlines just are misleading. They, and if people see enough of the same headline, they're going to form an opinion based on headlines and not factual journalism. So that's troublesome too. Like I, I've read stuff recently, and I'm not going to call out publications. Like uh, I don't, I don't want to do that on this. But I have read a few articles on certain sites that have. Mm, I don't even want to say misled, but maybe um, misinterpreted information from a studio. Like when you see things that are like things that are spelled wrong, when you see things that are uh, close, like, an example would be, like, someone saying that, well, The Lord of the Rings came out in 2006. It's close, 
I mean, it was in betas and alphas at that point, but it came out in 2007. Uh, so when, when you see those little things like that, the quality of journalism, I think we lose that ability. Like, I don't trust that publication then in what they're saying. And then their headline grabbed me in to read this article where the most true thing was the headline and then it has nothing to do with the body of the article. So the impact that those things have on development is kind of shitty because you'll have people write these articles or these posts and then you'll look at social media posts and you'll see the negativity uh, and you might pivot your business on that. And that should be maybe one source of where your information is coming from. Something I would really like to see a lot more of is... um, targeted surveys and I know like there's a good chunk of people that do like surveys and there's a good chunk of people that absolutely detest surveys Um, I don't mind surveys if they are targeted for a specific thing that you want to work on so say uh, you know if anybody from SSG actually listens to this podcast one thing I would love to see is a targeted PVP feedback survey and I'm talking detailed I want to know I would want to know uh, how often do you PvP? What you know? What percentage would you say of your game time is devo- devoted to PvP? Um, do you like objective-based PvP? Do you like one v one? Like, I mean, I could get real specific with this, and this is the type of information I think if you do any type of big overhaul to a system that is something you need to get from your community if it's an existing one if it's a new one uh, I don't know you need to do some type of focus group and figure out if it's actually something people want or not because that's an issue with uh, Lord of the Rings is there's so many systems that nobody ever asked for there wasn't a system that said like hey we could really use a system to do a better job of telling the story you know, big battles, skirmishes, stuff like that. Nobody asked for that kind of stuff. Um, it was just something, hey, we can do this cool new thing. Uh, and they, none of those systems were w- really well received. Uh, you know, skirmishes were okay received. Big battles were definitely not received well. Uh, mountain combat was not received well. Essences were not received well. Um, the yes, the essence system with a socketed armor that wasn't received well. Um, legendaries originally were received pretty decently because it was a cool progression thing, but it wasn't delivered what was originally billed as you know this thing that grows with you, and it didn't. It took till we hit uh, level one hundred to get to the point where it actually started. You know, growing with us because that was the last level of legendary that we could get. So, I, I guess part of this is just I think there would be more validity to having more research, I guess. And and I don't know how much research is done beforehand when a game is being developed. How much research is put into what people want out of a game in a, in a specific field. Uh, as many things as I'm signed up for, I really don't ever see any, like, focus 
group type information, any like uh, putting feelers out there, you know, like who's looking for this kind of thing or whatnot. And uh, I think the gaming industry would do well by having more surveys, um, more targeted responses for their stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they need to do like, there's a lot of uh, types of businesses like customer service based industries that have scoring um, based on customer feedback. And maybe if there's like in transactions and stuff like that from all these games, because every store anymore has an online cash shop. And maybe um, randomly through, like if you're a subscriber, maybe when your subs, when your sub re, well, when you resub to the game, maybe it does a, a survey. Because some, some games will have like a, a exit survey. Like if you cancel a subscription, you'll get a real brief one. Like, hey, why are you canceling it? It's like, well, I don't have time to play or it's no longer in the budget or I'm playing a different game. It's real basic. But maybe if you resub or you do a uh, like a, a transaction out of the store, maybe that's a circumstance where a survey is generated based around targeted around what you're doing, um, and maybe quarterly you could send out surveys uh, to active accounts to see what they're doing. Maybe you could send out surveys to inactive accounts on a six-month timer to say like noticed you've been away for a while how like how likely are you to come back blah 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 blah. what things uh prevented you from playing like i think there needs to be more data gathered uh to make better decisions long term for the success of these games and none of that's hard to do you know surveys are not hard to do uh it's a lot of work and if you don't have people that if you can't pay people to do data gathering and collect the data and and actually do something with it because you could have all these answers but if you don't have any way to you know um, aggregate that data and compile it to give you results to kind of go off of um, that's that's a whole separate problem but I think it's a big deal to get more quality data from players, people that are going to be paying for your game, playing your game uh, to, to do this stuff uh, because just firing shots in the dark and saying like, yeah, we think people are going to like this I mean, that's a huge gamble on people's careers, you know like um, but I do think in general Developers need to work better with their communities as far as content creators, uh, influencers, things like that. Uh, you may not have a budget for that kind of stuff, but it doesn't mean you can not just ignore what's going on. Like, if you've got somebody that's big in your community and they're upset, it might be worth sitting down and talking to them because. You know, if they hold influence over a portion of your community, that could be potentially bad for you as, as, you know, like, if you're not happy with the game, that negativity is going to spread through their circle or their influencer circle. Um, you know, if other people hit them up to, like, co-stream a game, for example, it's like, ah, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I don't want to play that right now. And they'll be like, oh, why is that? And, you know, that trickles down into their 
you know, and it's just word of mouth, and word of mouth is a very powerful thing. So, uh, getting getting r- relevant communication, getting surveys out, uh, getting more research done about your communities. Because here's the thing: some of these games too, like World of Warcraft, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, Lord of the Rings Online, uh, some of these games that have been the MMOs that have been long time running. You gotta understand is your demographic is different than when that game came out. You know, in some cases, the people, the veteran players of those games are a decade older than they were when they started playing your game. So things have changed. The world has changed. The economy has changed. Um, You know, people were in school when they started playing it. Now they're working full-time jobs with families. There's things that have changed that change how they're going to spend their money and how much of their money they're going to spend on entertainment such as your game and I don't think a lot of that is being done I don't think that work is being done and I don't think it's being done if it is to the level that it should be so I know this is a a pretty long rant but it's like these are just opinions that I have again based on the experiences I've had over the last 15 years with, with playing games specifically MMOs how the communities are handled, how the content creation side of things are, the development side, all that stuff. Uh, And those are the solutions that I think would greatly impact, in a positive way, all of those sides of the equation. So I would love to hear what you have to say about it. You can throw some stuff in uh, Twitter and Discord, any of that. Um, But yeah, that's going to do it for this one. I just want to uh, talk about that for a little while. And like always, if you guys have any suggestions for the podcast, make sure you throw them in the uh, podcast suggestions portion of Discord, um, which you can just go to discord.io slash bloodborne. Hop in there. Uh, make sure you're hitting up the streams on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to all the content there. Uh, hit up YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, all those links are available in the bio over on Twitch. I'll put those down in the uh, descriptions and everything. And that's going to do it. So until next time, have a good one. I will talk to you.